you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In this podcast, we're going to talk about Mike Lindell's comprehensive election coverage. Spoiler alert, he claimed there was voter fraud. You won't believe how he claims to know about it. Kenneth Copeland's daughter pulling a Paula White and sending angels from Africa to protect the election. Michelle Bachman giving us a comprehensive election analysis. It was stolen. Why does she think that? Because nobody likes Joe Biden. Makes perfect sense. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, the email address is telltalemailbag at gmail.com. I, I don't want money, though. Like I know you don't, but I don't know what else to do. Caption says, my dad's trying to buy me off from getting a vaccine. You didn't do this to Michael and Kelsey. They already got it. You have to think I know that. This is really sad. This is from 2021, guys. Don't you think I know that? Why do you think I'm fucking crazy? Your mother got it. Why do you think I'm fucking crazy? My family is gone. My family is gone. By the end of this loose season, most of you will be dead. What the fuck do you expect me to be? Okay. People believed that. People believed the nonsense being spread about the vaccine at the time so much that they were willing to pay their friends and family members thousands of dollars to not get vaccinated. That is the power of propaganda, honestly sad. And I got a voicemail about it, somebody asking me about this very specific clip. So I wanted to give it a listen, see what they had to say. Check this out. Hello, Owen, uh, my name's Gray, I'm from Oregon. Uh, big fan, uh, first time caller, wanted to ask, you remember the guy who believed his family was going to die for getting the vaccine? Um, like, the guy was in tears trying to bribe his daughter, you know, with money not to get the vaccine. Um, I want to know, how is there, like, a redemption arc in that story? The the guy, like, realized, oh, I was wrong because, you know, when nobody died from the vaccine. Anyway, thanks for all you do. Uh, have a good one. Yeah, I appreciate the voicemail. Generally speaking, there is no redemption arc. People in this type of headspace tend to move from thing to thing to thing. Culture war issue to conspiracy theory to culture war issue. They just keep moving down the line. And when they're proven wrong unequivocally, they just forget they ever said it in the first place. That's usually how it goes until it comes up again in the future. And then they reassert their already held beliefs. Kind of sad how it works, but we can see examples of it all through society. It's like a constant thing that we see taking place. That was by no stretch of the imagination the only example of people making bizarre, unhinged claims about what was going to happen after you took the vaccine. Check this one out. This is Stu Peters. I think this is from 2021 also. He's talking to Deanna Lorraine. Listen to what he had to say on this one. Those that tell me that I am a raging lunatic. He is. Those that tell me, what science do you have to be giving this advice? It's a shame and it's scary that you have a platform and you're telling people to wait on this vaccine. That's not what he was saying, actually. He wasn't telling people to wait on the vaccine. He was telling people that would give them full-blown AIDS. That's a di th there's a distinct difference between 
what he just described and what he was actually doing. But okay, go on. Those people are going to be the ones that end up going to get the injection. Those people will be the ones that end up falling over and dying. Hey, I'm on my fourth dose, baby. What happened? I thought I was going to fall over and die. This is like a couple years old now. And here we are. We're all still standing. Weird, huh? Kind of contradicts your original claim, doesn't it? But once again, doesn't matter if it contradicts his original claim. Doesn't matter if he's been proven wrong. The dude will believe anything. And when he's proven wrong, he ignores it. He pretends it never came up. He pretends he never said it. Or he pretends he never saw the evidence that disproved it in the first place. That's the nature of a conspiracy mindset. You see it in religious cults too. Jehovah's Witnesses experience the exact same type of cognitive dissonance. That's really what this boils down to. There's a book written in, I think, 1954 by a guy named Leon Festinger. That's the guy's name, Leon Festinger, okay? Book's name was When When Prophecy Fails. The book was all about a UFO cult from the 1950s called, or the 40s, I think, called the Seekers. They believed to the bottom of their hearts that a UFO was going to come and pick them up and bring them to outer space And then on, I think, December 21st was their claim. The world is going to experience a gigantic flood that was going to wipe everybody out. But they were going to be saved by the space aliens that picked them up just the day before. The day comes and goes. Nothing happens. They aren't picked up. They claimed to be in communication with the aliens telepathically. Two specific people. And there was like a, a group of, I don't know, 50 people or something that followed them and believed everything they said. So what happened when the aliens didn't come? Cognitive dissonance kicked in. Leon Festinger wrote this book, When Prophecy Fails, all about the concept of cognitive dissonance. In fact, that's where the term was first invented. That's who invented it, was Leon Festinger. Cognitive dissonance fundamentally is a stress in the brain that is induced by your beliefs not correlating with reality being out of sync with reality. And people will find different ways of alleviating this anxiety that they experience when they discover their lives or reality is out of sync with their beliefs. They usually find four different ways. But the two I want to focus on are they will evangelize and try to convince everybody around them that they were right all along and that they're still right. The more people they can bring in under the umbrella, the more people they can convince, the less stress they experience from cognitive dissonance, the more it alleviates that pain. That's the first way. And the second way is to modify their beliefs into a new story that can encompass both their previously held beliefs and reality simultaneously. So, for example, we've got... Stu Peters here saying, you know, people who get the vaccine are going to drop dead in the next 12 months. 12 months come and go. And what's his response now? They didn't drop dead. Well, the government came in and in the second boosters, they gave people an antidote to the first one to extend it so that they didn't drop dead from the first one. He will modify. I mean, he didn't say that. I'm just giving an example of how people modify their currently held beliefs to fit a new narrative 
that matches their old beliefs and reality simultaneously. That's generally how people deal with it. Uh, or they just ignore it completely. They just completely forget they even said it, push it out of their heads, and gaslight themselves into believing that they never said it in the first place. It's honestly sad. It's honestly sad and very difficult to pull somebody out of something like this. Leon Festinger followed the Seekers around until the end of their lives. He followed them around heavily for months, years, I think. And finally, the UFO cult broke up and moved to different parts of the country. And then he tried to keep track of them after that, you know, contact them every now and then, ask them a couple of questions and, and move on with their lives. But that's how it goes. People will do absolutely anything to avoid that anxiety in their mind induced by the fact that they, they believed something that is not cohesive with reality. Keep listening to what Stu Peters says here. That end up falling over and dying. And that sample group of people we will be in a better place without them. Sadly, I mean, I don't know. It's, I'll probably. That's dark, dude. That's really dark. It's like he's celebrating or excited at the possibility that people who got vaccinated to protect themselves from a deadly virus may disappear from planet Earth. You know, it would be sad. I would be really sad for this guy if he weren't so deeply depraved in the things that he says and does. You know, Hillary Clinton years ago said most people who support Trump or vote for him are fine, nice, upstanding people and just want to better their lives and everybody else's and are just being misled. A small portion of them are absolutely deplorable. That's actually what Hillary Clinton said back in 2016. He falls into that deplorable category. He is absolutely depraved with some of the things that he says, does and believes. And this is one of those things in a better place without them. Sadly, I mean, I don't know. It's, I'll probably get kicked off the air for saying that. How could he possibly be kicked off the air? He owns his own website. It, like, he releases all of his own stuff. He doesn't, he's not beholden to a network or, like, uh, an app or anything like that. Like, he's just playing a victim card to make people feel bad for him and worry about him and donate money to him. It's ridiculous. It's like InfoWars. It, it, his website's set up very similarly to that. It's, I'll probably get kicked off the air for saying that. Uh, but you know what? I, I will never lie. Thing. I will never lie on this platform. And that's just the truth. Deanna Lorraine, shots fired. I felt guilty for thinking that last night, but I was thinking maybe Darwin's theory is true. Wow. Maybe Darwin's theory is true. <laughs> and the fact, okay. God, I'm, just, I'm not even going to touch that. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. Thank you so much for the voice. It was a really interesting uh, question. And Sadly, we don't have resolution for that guy, but I would be willing to bet anything that he has either forgotten all about it, moved on to another conspiracy theory, tried to evangelize to bring more people under the tent, or changed his beliefs to be more cohesive with reality, even if they are more radical. Honestly, sad. Yeah, uh, this is Mark in California again. Um, I forgot. I also wanted to thank you... Um, for the information and learning that I've gotten from you on evangelical and the way that you use the term evangelical, because I used to actually call myself an evangelical, but after um, seeing how Kenneth Copeland and people like Kat Kerr are also called evangelicals, I've actually like taken, um, I've distanced myself from using that name and I no longer use that name. 
So I just wanted to thank you again for um, the education, and yeah, thanks. Yeah, you appreciate it. Um, evangelical is a complicated term because it actually encompasses a number of different groups. It's not just like Kenneth Copeland and you know all the other televangelists, Hank Kuhneman and Mario Murillo and all those people. They heavily identify with the evangelical movement, but Jimmy Carter is actually like one of the nicest, best guys alive. Builds houses for the homeless and doesn't hate anybody for anything, and he identifies as an evangelical. But the meaning of the term is changing a lot. Historically, it has encompassed a lot of different groups, including, but not limited to, black evangelicals. There are black evangelical churches that have a completely different culture than, than the standard evangelical movement. But Kenneth Copeland and all the other Christian nationalists have taken the term evangelical on as their own and in many ways redefined it to fit their needs more closely. And in my opinion now, the term evangelical is only really used to refer to a very specific small subset of the population. Although technically, if you look at scientific data, demographics, and polls and things, the evangelical movement does include around 80 million people. I think the evangelical movement, as defined by Kenneth Copeland, only really encompasses around 20 to 30 million people, give or take. That's just my rough guess. It's hard to tell, really. But anyway, yeah, I'm glad that I could help in some small way. Uh, hopefully that added context to the uh, meaning of the term evangelical. Hello, this is Alan from Indiana. I was wondering, do you think that the whole QAnon would have started if there was ranked choice voting? Do you think that'll get rid of all the Biden is evil and Trump is God stuff? That's an interesting question. Um, I think QAnon would have existed either way. Here's the interesting thing. Conspiracy theories, there's no evidence that conspiracy theories are more widespread in society today. It's always been roughly 15%, give or take, worldwide. This includes like the EU and everywhere. Roughly 15% of the population believes in some type of conspiracy theory. But here's where QAnon comes into the picture, okay? 15% of the population will believe before QAnon anyways, or before, especially before the advent of the internet, would believe in some little lesser known conspiracy. So you go to Thanksgiving dinner with your family and your uncle starts telling you about how he thinks the earth is flat. Or you go to Christmas dinner and your brother-in-law is telling you about how he thinks that aliens control Joe Biden or some other thing like that, right? Well, in the age of QAnon, it unified all of the conspiracy theorists into a single umbrella. So it used to be everybody believed in these odd conspiracy theories and none of them were really cohesive and none of them really believed all the same ones. QAnon brings them all in together under the same umbrella and they all believe the same conspiracy theories reliably across the board. Chemtrails and the cabal and, you know, all of the other stuff that comes with it. So it seems like QAnon is more widespread than it is, but it's always been roughly 15% of the population that has believed in conspiracies. So anyways, I don't think that Q 
QAnon would have not formed if ranked choice voting existed. But I think the country would have been a much better place if ranked choice voting did exist from the start. And honestly, I think it can only get better if we add ranked choice voting. It, it would be fantastic if we had something like that. Hi, Owen. This is Sam from Illinois. Um, my partner and I have been talking about having kids in the future, and uh, one thing that keeps coming up is, you know, school violence. Um, and I know that that's not a terribly monetizable thing, but I'm wondering with your daughter how uh, you, I guess, are how you send her off to school in the morning thinking that something might happen. Um, I'm sorry if that's a dark question. I'm just curious about your thoughts on it. Thanks so much. I understand. It is an extremely concerning thought in the back of your head. Absolutely. There are a couple of, well, there are a few things that I use to kind of calm my mind. For one thing, schools have gotten very adept at protecting kids from that kind of thing. They do lockdown drills and they have, you know, bulletproof things to protect them from stuff like that. They have emergency protocols to help in that type of situation, and those emergency protocols are only going to get better. Those, emerg those emergency protocols and protections will only get better moving forward. That's number one. Number two, they're actually not as common as it feels like they are. I mean, how many have we had? Let's see. 2022 has been the worst year on record with 257 on school campuses, passing the 250 total for all of 2021. In 2020, there were 114 incidents logged. 2019 has 119 logged. So that's a lot. That's a lot, right? 257. But when you think about it, I mean, how many schools are there in the United States? There are 98,817 public schools in the United States. So 98,755 in 2018 to 2019 divided by, say, 257 attacks, right? That's 0.26% of the time you, you'll have to deal with this. So it, it's wrong and evil that it's happening at all. And the outrage is justified that this is happening. And we must force senators and House members to do something about it. We must. It is extremely important. But as a percentage, you're very unlikely to deal with this type of situation personally. And if you do, there are protections in place to ensure that you will hopefully be safe. If, yeah, we'll leave it at that. And also, I live in an area that heavily restricts guns. It's very difficult to have a gun and carry one around in my area. If you can find an area that prevents guns from being around, it's that much less likely that you'll have to deal with this type of situation yourself. There hasn't been a school shooting in my area in uh, ever, I don't think. In New York City, I don't know that there has ever been one. Maybe 20 or 30 years ago there was. Doesn't mean I'm not prepared. Doesn't mean I don't think about it or worry about it. Doesn't mean that I don't try to do these drills and and explain things, make sure that everybody is safe and everyone understands what needs to be done and all that stuff. And it doesn't mean I don't push congressmen to do something about this. I absolutely do all that stuff. But the likelihood of it happening to us is very low. Honestly, the likelihood of it happening to any single individual is very low. So that gives me a little bit of peace of mind. But good luck. Hopefully that helped uh, with your peace of mind. 
Hey, Owen, this is Andrew from Saskatchewan, Canada again. Um, I just have a question related to YouTube and stuff like that. Like, specifically, like, what is your plan B for when you get removed out of YouTube? Like, let's say you're, you could copy strikes and stuff like that, or strikes on YouTube for no reason at all, whatever, and then you get, and then your time goes down, like, your entire time goes down, like, like a snap of a finger. Yeah, that's a good question. It is pretty concerning that YouTube could delete my channel at any moment. I was really worried about that like a few months ago because they were giving me a lot of strikes before. And as a result, I started a Twitch channel. I started multiple other YouTube channels that where I do a bunch of other stuff like my unfiltered channel, my fireside chat channel, my main channel, Owen Morgan, and then my Telltale Reads channel. I'm on Twitter. I'm on practically every social media network. Plus, I have my main website. I figure if my channel was straight up deleted, I would probably start working on Twitch primarily and also my main website. I would add Google ads to my main website more than likely and start posting there. Just telltaleatheist.com probably. And I'd also have Patreon, of course, and that would be a really good hub for people to find me because I can post videos on Patreon just like anywhere else. So anyway, that's probably what I would do. It would be really hard, be concerning, but I would find a way. I would make my way through it. And worst case, if everything was deleted, literally everything, and I had nothing left, and I couldn't be a social media person anymore, I would probably go back to software engineering. Or I would help other people manage their social media networks. That would be my guess, but hopefully I, I never have to worry about it. With such a slim majority in-house, would R get their ridiculous revenge agenda in? No, no. It's not happening. Biden is also capable of vetoing any bill passed through the House and Senate. Now, that means if the Republicans controlled the House and the Senate, which they don't, but if they did, they would be able to pass bills through. They could pass them through the House and into the Senate. Senate would have a simple majority. They would vote on the bill and push it through, right? But Biden is the president. He's a Democrat, and that means he has the power to veto any bill that he wants to veto. Just erase it from existence. It won't be pushed through. They can overrule or override that veto by getting a supermajority of, I think, 66 votes in the Senate, maybe, if they chose to try to override the veto. They, they wouldn't have 66 votes anyways. So even if Republicans controlled the House and the Senate in a majority, they wouldn't be able to do anything anyways. They would still be stuck, gridlocked, for the next two years. So we're safe. We're safe for two more years. Even if they get the House, we're safe. Even if they got the House and the Senate, we would be safe, I think. So that's good news. Let me ask you guys something. What do you guys think? Do you like my living room better as the background for my stream? This is what it looks like. This is my living room. Or would you rather my traditional background, which looks like this? I like this one pretty well, but I've caught word that some people would really prefer this instead. So let me know what you guys want more in the comments, and uh, maybe I'll make that a reality. Daniel Carter, is Mike Lindell behavior part of his addiction personality, BTW detoxing from opiates right now? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Uh, it's hard to tell, really, but it may be linked to addiction. It may be. Here's the thing about NA and AA. NA and AA as institutions don't really solve your problem. They replace your problem with Jesus. Religion and drugs or alcohol 
act on the same part of the brain as each other. So NA and AA decided to try to erase drugs and put God in its place, which has had some moderate success. Secular therapy is dramatically more successful, so there's never any reason why somebody should go to NA or AA. But replacing God with drugs has had some moderate success, and that is generally what Mike Lindell did, I believe. Except Mike Lindell didn't just replace the drugs with God. He replaced it with core beliefs, which include religion and politics. So believing in Donald Trump or believing that Donald Trump is like some secret hero that's going to come in and fix everything and that he'll be back any second is part of his almost like a a religious belief to Mike Lindell effectively right now, which is disturbing on a number of levels. So it's possible that a lot of this comes down to his addiction and his attempt to escape it. But there's no way of really knowing for sure either way. And generally, I don't like to speculate about people or their personal lives or whatever, if, if I can avoid it. But it, it seems like that probably does play some, some type of role. That's my guess. Marjorie Taylor Greene is not gone, sadly. She's in a safe district. Have you guys ever noticed how the most loud and obnoxious Republicans out there are all in safe districts? that they don't have to worry about being voted out. That's not a coincidence. It's not just like, wow, what are the chances? They're in a safe district and they're loud. They're loud and obnoxious and conspiracy theorists and all that because they're in safe districts. Imagine how many other Republican representatives are out there that believe the most batshit crazy ideas in existence. You think Marjorie Taylor Greene is weird with her Jewish space laser stuff? We haven't heard anything. I'd be willing to bet there are way crazier Republicans out there that have way more off-the-wall beliefs, but they won't say them because they're not in a safe district and they have to worry about re-election. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Madison Cawthorn thought he was in a safe district. He wasn't, as it turns out. You piss off the Republican Party and you're going to lose your primary, which is exactly what happened to him. I mean, all of these people, Matt Gates too, they all... They're all in safe districts, and as a result, don't worry about it. They don't worry about losing their seats, although Boebert was probably a little more confident than she, she should have been. It looks like she's probably going to win against Adam Frisch tentatively, but boy, was it close. One more election, and they could absolutely get her out. Next, we're going to talk about Mike Lindell's comprehensive election coverage. Spoiler alert, he claimed there was voter fraud. You won't believe how he claims to know about it. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, check out my Patreon. You can also check out my Telltale Unfiltered channel, Twitter, and Teespring. All links can be found in the description. Mike Lindell has been an election denier since day one. He has a new method of sussing out election fraud, apparently, something called the Edison Report. If you're watching this five years in the future, there was just an election in 2022, midterm elections. Uh, the president is the same. It's just like senators and House members on a local and a federal level. It did not go well for Republicans. And of course, naturally, Mike Lindell's reaction is to scream at the top of his lungs about voter fraud. 
So let's listen to what he had to say. This is November 9th, 2022. This is the day after the election. We have a, we have a, coming out of the Edison report, this is what we used. And this is, a, this is everybody can look at, the, everybody can see this. Every vote in the country goes through Edison research in New Jersey. So what is the Edison report, I hear you asking? We're going to be talking about that in a couple of minutes, but that's what we have to look forward to. Check this one out. This is part of Mike Lindell's comprehensive election coverage in the moment, November 8th, 2022. This is when the election was taking place. He's on Steve Bannon's show. Again, it did not go well for Republicans at all. It was a slaughter out there. So let's listen to what he had to say. Fill out the ballot and throw it in a, in a, in a box over in the corner. Mike Lindell. Well, it's not just there. It's coming out all over. We have teams on the ground all over the country, Steve. In Maricopa, there's been, we have teams there. There's up to 50% of the ballots are getting rejected with the machine. I bet. Totally. Mike Lindell has teams of people on the ground down there. And there's voter fraud, rampant voter fraud, right? Absolutely. I believe you without question. This is going to be uh, the, the the big crime story of the year when uh, when all this comes out. But uh, you just had uh, you were you just were talking about the corrupt Maricopa Board of Supervisors. They have to go. I mean, this is disgusting. But Steve, I'm getting reports in Kansas. Uh, they're going in to vote in Kansas and on the machines. And it literally, they got done. This one gal she flipped her votes, and we know this person. She's uh she's uh one of the team, one of our team people, and it flipped it right in real time. So she did it three times. I bet. Totally. Right. Because they would allow somebody to vote three times. Isn't it interesting how he never actually comes with evidence like literally ever? Here's the interesting thing about Mike Lindell. This guy goes on a TV show called Flashpoint a lot. Now, I cover Flashpoint on my unfiltered channel pretty frequently. Every time he goes on Flashpoint, it's it's almost like a get together of far right extremists. It's all far-right extremists, and they are the most die-hardiest of die-hard Trump supporters in existence. Because up until the midterm elections, everyone thought that Trump controlled the party. And up to this moment, he has. But they were under the impression that the Trump wing of the party was going to control the election even after Trump was gone. They thought, like, Trump's kids were going to control the party and everything. And if there's one thing we learned from the 2022 midterm elections, it's that they most definitely do not control the country. Basically, everybody who was endorsed by Trump or that talked about loving Donald Trump or that denied the election results or any of that stuff, they all lost, pretty much. And that was a signal that Donald Trump does not control the Republican Party anymore. Now, we could have lost 30 House seats and five Senate seats, and I would have been happy with that as a result. Not only did we maintain Senate control and only lose a few House seats, probably lost the House control generally. We haven't figured that out as of this immediate moment. But in addition to all of that, we also discovered that Donald Trump does not control the party anymore. So... Here is Mike Lindell's quandary. He doesn't really know how to back out of this situation he's found himself in. He married himself to a losing person. He connected himself to Donald Trump and Christian nationalists. Christian nationalists connected themselves to Donald Trump. 
So now that Trump is out of favor, uninteresting, and unequivocally does not control the party anymore, now that Ron DeSantis is the one kind of steering the party at this immediate moment, what do the Christian nationalists do? What does Mike Lindell do? What is Flashpoint going to do, the TV show? They are in quite the pickle at this immediate moment. And it, I, God, I, I have to tell you, I'm here for it. I am eating this up. I am here for every second of this. I love to see these people falling flat on their face because they tied themselves so thoroughly to a losing horse. Speaking of Flashpoint, this is actually the host of the Flashpoint TV show, Gene Bailey. There's a TV channel called Victory Network. It's run by Kenneth Copeland, owned and operated by him. It's like a super giga religious televangelist TV channel. It's a TV channel just like Fox or CNN or TBS or any other, Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon. It's just like that. It's on DirecTV and Dish and everything else. And on the Victory Network, they have a TV show called Flashpoint. And this guy hosts that show. I don't think that this is Flashpoint, the TV show. This is just the Victory Network. But Gene Bailey is on the Victory Network doing his quote-unquote election night coverage November 8th, and he decides to bring Mike Lindell on too. Listen to what they had to say to each other here. Or I want to bring in Mike Lindell. Uh, Mike, you got some interesting results you wanted to share. Go ahead. Yeah, well, first of all, when you guys were talking before I was listening to you, who, who attacked our country and what is this all about? It's the CCP, the Uniparty, the Deep State... Okay, so when Lindell went on this, this is November 8th, this is the night the elections were taking place, they didn't know anything about the ramifications, the consequences of this midterm election. The primary consequence that they're going to care about, naturally, is the fact that Trump lost. Trump's endorsees lost across the board. He endorsed a couple of people that got through, but I think they got through for other reasons, unrelated to the fact that Trump endorsed them, like J.D. Vance, for example. I don't think he got into the Senate because Trump endorsed him. Basically, everybody Trump endorsed lost. They didn't realize that at the moment that this was being filmed. They were just running with the election fraud narrative by default. They decided to start screaming from the hilltops that Democrats cheated, blah, blah, blah. All the same stuff they said back in 2020, because it worked in 2020. People spread that conspiracy and believed it. A lot of people. It did not work this time. So listen to Mike Lindell flail around wildly, trying to pick up this narrative and failing miserably. It's beautiful. Our country and what is this all about? It's the CCP, the Uniparty, the Deep State, the Globalists, and now the Democrat Party joining with all of them. That's who, quote unquote, cheated in the midterms in Mike Lindell's mind. China worked with the Uniparty and the Democrats and the Globalists to overturn, like, I don't know how many elections across the country, 600 individual smaller elections, maybe more like a thousand or 1500 individual elections. I mean, we're talking like local and like municipal, state and federal level elections and the Uniparty and the CCP and the Democrats all rigged the votes across all of this stuff. I mean, come on. Can it get more far-fetched than this? Seriously. Here's another interesting thing about the results of the election. Claims of voter fraud are not being taken seriously right now. 
They're not being amplified. They're, in fact, honestly, they're not even being repeated that much. But the far-right extremists like Mike Lindell and the people on Flashpoint, Gene Bailey, Kenneth Copeland, and the other televangelists, they ran with that narrative from the very start, and they are still to this day right now repeating it. Even though they look like fools, they're still repeating it. Party joining with all of them. Um, here's what we have. In our real-time crime desk, if you have a graphic to put up, I'm going to show you just one of them, and this is from the Democrat. Wow, that was fast. You just kind of whipped that up real quick. What is this? Look, <laughs> I love it. Look at this graph. There is there is no X and Y indicator here. There's no timeline. There's no nothing. Like, what are you even showing me right now? I don't know what I'm even looking at. There isn't even a label on it. It doesn't tell me what these number or what these graphs are, what these lines mean or anything at all. This is just pure manipulation of statistics naturally. I have no clue what I'm looking at. Just one of them. And this is from the demo. Hold on. Weird. Okay, look, apparently there is a legend at the top. If you if I slow it down, what does this see? It says Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker? Where did he even get this information on election night? Like this wasn't even like the vote hadn't even been counted yet. We were still waiting for results. Graphic to put up. I'm gonna show you just one of them, and this is from the Democrat. So we're watching these races. Vance was one, I believe they early JD Vance won his seat in Ohio, uh Senate. On, they were taking it, uh, taking Vance, and I think they just didn't put any injection because he totally overran the algorithm. We're watching these races, and it's like real-time crime. I call it a crime spike, and then you get these crime spikes. Wow, dude. So J.D. Vance overrode the algorithm. There's an algorithm. Does he even know what an algorithm is? An algorithm is simply a set of instructions that you feed data into and you get data out of. That's what an algorithm is, plain and simple. So Mike Lindell is making it out as though there's like an artificial intelligence on the back end that's picking up this voter data and changing it to give the Democrats an edge or something like that. How would you even override an algorithm? That makes no sense at its face. I don't understand. But that's Mike Lindell, baby. He doesn't have to make sense. He's worth $600 billion. Doesn't matter if he makes sense or not. This is their continued election coverage. Keep listening. This is Gene Bailey again. He's, I think he's about to play Mike Lindell in again. At this point, I have to imagine they're panicking. Mike, tell us what's going on. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of what I expected. Um... No, Mike Lindell was expecting a red wave. There was no red wave. Republicans lost across the board. They're stealing everything. Um, just in Herschel Walker's race alone, over 200,000 votes have been injected into his opponent to get to this runoff stage. Uh, they stole the governor's race in uh, with Mastriano in Pennsylvania. We've seen an early injection of 90,000 votes by the computers um, at Cary Lake. They're trying to steal her. Gee, this dude is absolutely unhinged. He is he ever going to come back to reality with the rest of us ever? Is this ever going to happen? Mastriano lost. Okay, all a lot of these people have conceded. As far as I know, none of them are alleging fraud. Although Kerry Lake is actually alleging fraud. Kerry Lake is the Republican candidate from Arizona for governor right now and 
she is one of the only election deniers out there who seems to be performing okay. And we don't have results yet if she's going to win the governorship or not. It's looking like it's going to be Katie Hobbs, which is the Democrat as the governor in Arizona. Tentatively, we'll see as time goes on. But either way, this is all complete nonsense. It's all about spreading fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It's all about spreading nonsense. That's the whole point here. Okay, so the next day, Mike Lindell goes on Flashpoint, this TV show that I was talking about that I cover a lot on my uh, Unfiltered channel. And there is a noticeable tone shift among the Flashpoint people. Mike Lindell came in with his usual voter fraud nonsense, but he had a couple of interesting things to say, which we're going to talk about in a second. But the noticeable tone shift came from the other people on Flashpoint, Gene Bailey and others. There is no way that you can look at this as a Republican and think, hey, this turned out pretty well for us. This was bad. This was terrible for Republicans. Couldn't have been worse. By all accounts, they should have taken 28 to 30 House seats and four Senate seats, and they didn't take any of that. But coming into Flashpoint, bizarrely, they seem to be like upbeat and peppy and chipper and happy about it and trying to encourage people. It's like they're trying to downplay the severity of the loss that they just suffered. Listen to what they have to say here. November 9th, very next day after the election. Well, there'll be lawsuits in some. Some of them we, we have to do very little and some will have to do a lot. Uh, Pennsylvania is number one on the list because of what happened in Pennsylvania. Both Mastriano won and Dr. Oz won. No, they lost by a lot. Honestly, I mean, Oz was a lot closer to beating Fetterman. Mehmet Oz was running, he was a Republican, running against John Fetterman, the Democrat. And Fetterman won pretty handily. It, it wasn't terribly close. They called it pretty early. Mastriano wasn't close at all. I've covered Mastriano on this channel. He's a complete nutter butter of epic proportions. Deeply disturbing stuff, dude. He's a far-right extremist Trump supporter and has talked about uh, and has openly gone to QAnon conferences, has openly supported the QAnon movement, said that he will win in Pennsylvania on November 8th, my God will make it so. That's what he said. I mean, deeply disturbing guy. He lost by a lot. I think he only got like 45% of the vote or something, or 40% even. Anyways, point is, Mastriano lost unequivocally. There's no situation in which Mike Lindell could possibly gin up the idea that Mastriano won. He lost, like badly. How is Mike Lindell sitting here making this claim in the first place? It blows me away that anybody would believe this. And Dr. Oz won. And there's there's a law in Pennsylvania, everybody remembers, you can't turn in your, you can't have more votes than voters. That's a law in Pennsylvania? <laughs> okay. <laughs> first of all, there were not more votes than voters in Pennsylvania. This is one of those popular election conspiracies that spread all over the place back in 2020. California had more votes than voters. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Florida had more votes than voters. Georgia had more votes than voters. No, 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 they didn't. None of them did. This is completely made up. And once again, we have another example here of Mike Lindell claiming it again. Pennsylvania did not have more votes than voters. And also, I don't think that's a law. I may be wrong. Is that just completely made up? Why would they put a law on the books 
that you can't have more votes than voters? And what would the consequence of that be? Like, this just makes no sense at all. You know, and uh, they did it in 2020 and turned in their electors. It's against the conscience, against their law. Well, it looks like they did the same thing again, Gene. So we've. No, they didn't. I know that one Monday morning. We've got lawyers out there, cyber teams, and I'm going to try to probably head down to Arizona because we still have critical down there that we've done all three win in Arizona. Dude, people are probably, I mean, Republicans are probably so sick of hearing Mike Lindell repeat all this nonsense over and over and over again, like getting their hopes up, saying we're filing lawsuits, we're going to get this done, we're going to fix it, we're going to overturn these elections, and then nothing ever happens. Mike Lindell has been saying for the past two years, I mean, I'm talking two years, that Trump is going to retake office before 2024. That's what he's been saying this whole time. And here we sit. Trump is still not in office. In fact, he's less popular than ever. Just blows me away that he thought this was a good idea to go down this path again. He made a complete fool of himself up to now with all of this garbage, and he's making a fool of himself again. Check this one out. Same night, November 9th. Yeah, I just, uh, I want everybody um, keep the faith. I, 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 I'm looking at everything from, a, you know, the big picture, and I don't think we could have came out of this better than we did. It's See, this is, this is what I was saying earlier, where I think they got really positive. I think they specifically asked Mike Lindell to be positive and upbeat about the results, despite the fact that they have no reason to be positive about what happened on November 8th, 2022. They lost across the board. It was ugly for Republicans. They should have gotten way more than they got. And here we sit. Mike Lindell is being positive about it. Why? I think they asked him to be. I think they realize their listeners are already borderline burned out. They already didn't want to bother voting in the first place because they believe it's going to be stolen. That is a consequence of election distrust. People don't want to vote if they don't trust the election. They don't see it as worth it. It aids in voter suppression to sow distrust and doubt in the election naturally depresses the vote. So leading up to this election, they said things like, if you vote, you can override the algorithm. Complete nonsense. It's not how it works. There is no algorithm, whatever. They kept hammering on that because they realize, I think, if they don't hammer on that, they're going to lose anyways because people aren't going to want to vote. So they got positive at the end of this Flashpoint episode to keep people motivated. It's weird to hear Mike Lindell sound positive about things, right? I don't think we could have came out of this better than we did. It's perfect. No, it isn't. It, it, it was it was a bloodbath for Republicans. We've got enough crime that was caught, the real-time crime, and we're going to go after that. Uh, will races get overturned? I don't know. But the ultimate goal is to get where we have elections again and not selections. All <laughs> God, I love it, dude. Yeah, there's his positivity. Is it going to do anything? I don't know. Probably not. Whatever. All the stuff that happened before this is, uh, you know, you got the voter turner. I think people got engaged, educated. And I think one of the things is, uh, is people, they tried to take away our hope last night. But today it's all back and it's tenfold bigger than it was. And, and I just want to encourage everybody when we. And there's another little shot. They tried to take away our hope, but we will not let them. Another attempt to get people to care and feel like this wasn't a complete loss because 
the moment their voters, their Republican voters that listen to Flashpoint, the moment they feel like voting is useless is the moment that the Republican Party is doomed. That's it. So they're trying to fluff it up and make them feel better about the situation, even though they lost terribly. And I just want to encourage everybody, when we get way out here, you're going to look back and everything had to happen just the way God intended. And uh, I want to tell everyone, stay in the word, be proactive in prayer. Our prayers are aligned. We're in the greatest revival ever for Jesus Christ in history. Yeah, that one, that, that last little bit there was pretty disturbing. Very obviously, directly tying Christian nationalism into everything. Of course, that's Mike Lindell's way. He has to tie everything back into Jesus in some way. And that's one of the things that's destroying our democracy. But you know what? I got to be honest with you guys. I feel more optimistic about our democracy tonight than I have in years, in six years. I don't feel like democracy is being destroyed the way that it was anymore. Seeing Trump and election denialism lose across the board really did it for me. I'm feeling really positive. It's not even just about Trump. It's not even just about the fact that we retained Senate control and maybe only barely lost House control. It's not even about that. It's about the fact that I believe democracy will survive. It's been hard to face the fact that the most popular Republican candidates are the ones that are screaming about election fraud. The ones that get the most attention are screaming about election fraud. And it's been difficult to know that a lot of Republican lawmakers, current politicians, are doing everything they can to rehabilitate the January 6th movement, to rehabilitate the seditionists and insurrectionists, and, and to rehabilitate Donald Trump's reputation. But for the first time in years, tonight, I feel like democracy is on the right path. I was actually prepared to move to Canada in the next few years, if need be. I moved to New York, uh, New York City a couple years ago to escape extremists in West Virginia. I was prepared to do everything I could to escape the United States and go to Canada. I don't feel like I need to anymore, honestly. I feel really comfortable with where democracy is right now because Trumpism is so deeply unpopular now that pundits like Ben Shapiro, the people at the Daily Wire, are talking mad shit about Donald Trump at this moment. We have cause to celebrate. Even if we lost the Senate and the House both, which we didn't, but even if we had, there'd be reason to celebrate because democracy will survive a little bit longer in the United States. Anyway, I forgot to mention the Edison report. I looked into the Edison report, what Mike Lindell was talking about at the very beginning of this clip. We have a, we have a, coming out of the Edison report, this is what we used. And this it's hard to find the information on what the Edison report is, but from what I could tell, the Edison report is nothing more than exit polls. So Reuters has a company that they work with called Edison um, Edison Analytics or Edison, Edison Data or something like that. And they basically go around to a few precincts in a few states and just ask a few people walking out of the polling locations, hey, who'd you vote for? What was the main issue and whatever else? And that is used to give us an idea of the issues that were most important to people, how different demographics voted and things like that. It, by no stretch of the imagination, gives us comprehensive data about who voted and when and everything. One of the primary reasons why that data isn't eternally useful is because, or shouldn't be considered the main authority, 
is because not everybody votes on election day in person. Mike Lindell spent the past three months telling all of his people to vote in person on election day. No mail-in ballots, no early voting or any of that other stuff. You have to vote in person on election day. And I, I suspect that's because he knew that he's going to be using the Edison report. So he wanted it to be skewed toward Republicans so that he could use that as a premise to make people believe that the results were skewed or that there was fraud or whatever, because the exit polls show a ton of Republicans through the Edison report, but the actual votes being reported show uh, lean more Democratic, lean more blue. That's my suspicion for why he's talking about the Edison report in the first place and why he wanted people to vote in person and all that other garbage. Unfortunately for Mike, it didn't work out for him too well. It was an interesting strategy, but it was kind of transparent if I'll be honest. But anyway, like I said, we have reason to celebrate. So have a drink and be happy because Republicans lost, and more importantly than anything else, democracy won this midterm season, in my opinion. Let me know what you think in the comments or on Twitter at Telltale Atheist. Next, we're going to talk about Kenneth Copeland's daughter pulling Apollo White and sending angels from Africa to protect the election. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale channel. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, check out my Patreon. You can also check out my Telltale Unfiltered channel, Twitter, and Teespring. All links can be found in the description. This is Kenneth Copeland's daughter, Terry Copeland Pearsons. She is an evangelical and a televangelist, has a TV show on Kenneth Copeland's network. And she had some things to say about the 2022 midterm elections. Naturally, she didn't like the results. The results were really, really bad for Republicans, particularly for Trump-supporting Christian nationalist Republicans. The results were really bad for them. So listen to what she had to say. November 9th, this is the day after the election took place, 2022. And Lord, for these elections that are remaining, these states that are remaining in Congress, Lord, in the House, and Lord, the third... She just speaking nonsense right in the middle of a normal sentence. What was that? In the house at Kalibradashto. She is. She's just busting out nonsense, okay? And Lord, the 30 something elections that are yet to be called, Lord, I would really appreciate it if she just spoke English the whole time. That would be very nice. Spirit, you know what you learned last week? She sounds like she's speaking Latin, but I'll give you a little spoiler alert here. She's just speaking nonsense. There is no language to it. She believes that God is filling her with the Holy Spirit, and she's speaking in a new, undiscovered language through the power of God. In reality, it's all just garbled garbage. I know that it's complete nonsense and not actually a language, because linguists have studied this and come to the conclusion that this is completely made up. There is no sense to it. There's no structure, no grammatical structure of any sort. It's all fabricated nonsense. And on top of that, she claims to be endowed with the spirit of God or the power of God or whatever. And in addition to speaking in tongues, she claims to prophesy from God. She doesn't. 
Every time she's laid down a prophecy for us, it's failed, which means, wait for it, she doesn't have God's blessing. There's a very specific remedy prescribed in the Bible for people who falsely prophesy, but that's neither here nor there. I don't support that. I'm just saying she should at the very least lose her church for falsely prophesying and lying about speaking in tongues. But keep listening. She's said the word presto like 16 times. She really likes ano as a uh, like a, a suffix on words, doesn't she? That you are a what? Is she insulting somebody right now? This is offensive. And you said, Lord, when you catch a thief, make him pay seven times. Make him pay seven times. Okay, so again, this is election night coverage, or the night after the election took place. This is coverage of that event. And now she busts out, when you find a thief, make him pay seven times the amount of what he stole or whatever other thing. Interesting she's going back to the Old Testament for her prescriptions of what people should suffer or the consequences they should face for breaking Old Testament rules, right? I mean, that's neither here nor there. Make him pay seven times. 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 Lord, I call in that number seven, the number of perfection, God's holy number. In the name of Jesus, we call in a stay of a core and a result of holy proportion, a result of holy and godly heavenly proportion. I thank you for angel intervention. Okay, results of a holy proportion. She was expecting, like, good results for Republicans, I guess. If you are watching this five years in the future and are completely unaware of what happened in the 2022 midterms, Republicans suffered terribly. They did not get what they were expecting. When one political party controls the White House, usually, in the following midterms, the other political party takes complete control. It's a wipeout, usually. So in 2018, Donald Trump controlled the White House for his first term, right? 2018 rolls along. Democrats take the House and the Senate. That is, It was a blue wave. That was expected. That's how it usually happens. This is Biden's first term, and this is the first midterm after Biden's term started. It was expected that Republicans would take the House and the Senate, and it would be just a total blowout for them. It most definitely did not end the way that they hoped or expected. It was an absolute slaughter for Republicans. Not only was it a slaughter for Republicans, but it was also a complete slaughter for the Trumpist movement, the Christian nationalist movement, and it was a complete win for democracy across the board. Candidates who talked about election fraud and, and you know conspiracies like that lost across the board. Candidates who were endorsed by Donald Trump lost across the board. There were one or two that slipped through, but that could have been chalked up to the fact that they were just the most popular candidate, whether they were endorsed by Trump or not.
it did not end well for Republicans. So I find it fascinating that Terry Pearson's, Kenneth Copeland's daughter, is sitting here telling us that things are going to go well. She's praying to God, speaking in tongues. God has filled her with the Holy Spirit and says he's in control. And they failed miserably. Keep listening. Thank you for angel intervention. Angels, angels, Lord, angels, if necessary, removing every, removing every wicked ballot, removing every fraudulent ballot, remove them, bringing them to nothing. Yeah, so the interesting, like, results of this election were, as I said, election deniers lost across the board. Democracy won across the board. But she didn't know that yet. When this came out, she didn't realize how deeply unpopular it was to talk about election fraud and all of that stuff. Pretty much the only group of people talking about election fraud are Trump extremists like her. And Trump is now the minority in the party and has been recognized as such at this immediate moment. We'll see if things change. But right now, election denialism is out of favor right now. But I find it fascinating that she is spreading this conspiracy right up front. She, this was repeated by a bunch of Republicans all through their election night coverage. But at the end of the night, when it was all said and done, people realized how deeply unpopular that is with voters. And it seems like tentatively they're dropping it. That's a win for democracy. But again, she didn't get the message yet. So she's going on about election fraud still. It's kind of embarrassing. Them to nothing, erase them. They are nothing. They are nothing. They are nothing. They are nothing. You are bringing those to nothing. Lies, deceits, nothing. They come to nothing in Jesus' name. You know what I find really, really weird about this whole situation? These Christian nationalists have spent the last, uh, what, like two years or, or even longer, two and a half, three years, hell, six years, honestly talking about election fraud and how they're praying for God to end the fraud, right? And then the next election rolls around and they scream about fraud again. Did God answer your prayers or not? It just shows that they don't even expect God to answer their prayers. What they expect is for God to drop the ball and not help them, not do what they need. They need a fraud-free election. Well, God's not delivering that despite the fact that Millions of Christian nationalists have been begging for it this whole time. Blows me away. It's like they're not using logic at all here. They're not reasoning their way through anything. So that was Kenneth Copeland's daughter, and that was oddly reminiscent of Paula White. If you remember Paula White, she was the strike and strike lady. This video, I have a clip folder on my hard drive, and this video is titled Strike and Strike. It's Paula White's strike and strike and strike video. Kind of funny. Anyway, yeah, th you may remember this. This is from 2020. This is the day after the 2020 election, right? Paula White, which is Donald Trump's spiritual advisor, quote unquote, she's a televangelist, comes out there and says, strike and strike and strike and strike and strike. And, and she did this for like I, a minute, a minute and a half, just strike and strike and strike and strike. And I, I, I don't know what she thought she was doing. Anyways, halfway through, she called to the angels of africa to come save the country dispatch from africa right now africa right now africa right now from africa right now they're coming here they're coming here in the name of jesus from south america they're coming here 
So anyways, yeah, this video from Terry Copeland Pearsons was oddly reminiscent of Paula White calling down angels from Africa and South America to save the election. Like, again, did they not think that it worked? They call like with all the spiritual authority, they believe God has endowed in them and they order angels to come to America from Africa to correct the errors in the election, and they don't seem to believe that it worked? It makes no sense, ideologically. I just don't understand where their heads are at. Anyway, anyway, that's neither here nor there. The next video I wanted to watch is actually George Pearson's. It is Terry Pearson's husband. So Kenneth Copeland's son-in-law is who this is. This is from November 8th, 2022, election night, when he released this clip. Check this out. This afternoon, I'm in the kitchen and I'm fixing something to eat. Pastor Terry and I are talking about the election and just the different things that are happening. And for a moment, I got quiet and I heard the voice of the Lord. And you, I bet. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Because God would talk to this rich dude over here, right? He would deliver a message to this mega rich, ultra conservative, immigrant hating, black hating, prosperity gospel loving pastor. This is who God would communicate with. Okay. What did God say to you, George? And do you know what he said? Watch me work. No, he said, I got this. If you heard in the background, his hype man or his buddy or whatever said, watch me work. The reason he asked that question will become relevant in a second. That's what God supposedly told George back in 2022. We're going to watch that video in a minute. But anyway, (laughs) okay. So God didn't say watch me work this time. He said, I've got this, apparently. Keep listening. This is deeply entertaining to me. I got this. I like that. I got this. I'm telling you, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Wow, dude. I love this. This is just fantastic, dude. Here's the thing. Democracy won in this midterm election, okay? Democracy won. Trump lost. Some Republicans took office. Ron DeSantis had a win. That's disappointing. Kemp had a win. That's disappointing. So did Abbott. Some of that is disappointing. But you know what? It's not democracy destroying levels right now. And that's fantastic news. We have reason to celebrate today. We will retain our democracy as a country for another day because of what happened on November 8th on election night. So I feel comfortable laughing at these people because... I feel like we're not in a tough situation anymore. It's good news. Anyway, from left to right here, we've got George Pearsons, who we've been listening to. Then we've got his wife, Terry. She's the son of Kenneth Copeland. Then we've got Gene Bailey. He's the host of Flashpoint. This TV show is on Victory Network. So is Flashpoint. This is owned and operated by Kenneth Copeland, this TV network, I mean. And I think that's Michelle Bachman, who we'll be talking about later. I'm not sure who the other two people are. But anyway, yeah, these are all far-right extremist Trump-supporting nutcases who are obsessed with Christian nationalism and being as far-right as humanly possible. So keep listening to what old George Pearsons has to say to this little group of people here. You, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. We have worked together between heaven and earth. Thank you, Lord. Two years praying, standing, believing. That's an interesting point. They spent the past two years praying, standing, and believing that Donald Trump, I'm sorry, <laughs> I mean that God, they're, they're different. They're not different in these people's eyes necessarily, but they're not the same thing. That God 
was going to prevent election fraud from taking place, right? That's what they spent the last two years doing. Okay, what else does old George have to say for us? Praying, standing, believing. We are, as believers, emboldened, empowered, and standing on our authority in the Word of God. This election will not be stolen. No. Corruption, you bow your knee, your name to the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you that we've seen in two years, Jesus himself has rolled up his sleeves and he has worked and his people have worked with him. Right there, he's referencing his old video. Again, we're going to take a look at it from two years ago in just a minute. In every shape, form, and matter. So Lord, we thank you that this deal is over, it's up, and now we hear your voice. I got this. And we thank you and praise you and honor you for the victory this night for the United States of America. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, that's the interesting thing. Victory does not necessarily come if there is no fraud. Victory in the eyes of Republicans. If, there, if God erases fraud entirely, it does not mean you'll win. It means there's no fraud. The 2020 election was actually probably the most secure election in U.S. history. And this election was also extremely secure because we expected people to scream about fraud all over again, just like in 2022. They prayed for this election and the last one to be completely secure. And even in the middle of the election coverage, November 8th, they said they believe this election will be secure. And after the election, they continue to claim there was fraud. They don't even believe the things that they say. This is from November 2020, early November. This is after the election was called for Joe Biden and everybody knew that or it was right before it. Maybe it was around it was in that little gray area, right when people weren't super sure who was going to win, but it was leaning Joe Biden. George Pearson's comes out and says this. So this is a word from the Lord, and he's not happy with what's going on. He's not happy with some of these things that have been decided, and he's not happy with the the opposite direction that he wants to go. Then why didn't he stop it? I don't understand. Is he not all powerful? Couldn't he just step in and flip the votes himself? Couldn't he just alter our brains to make us want to vote for Donald Trump? I don't get it. Is he all powerful or not? The ideology they seem to be buying into is one that implies that God is not capable of doing whatever he wants, not capable of electing the leaders that he wants. Bizarrely, we saw this exact same idea coming from another person, uh, Johnny Enlow. The dude is one of the leaders of the Trump religion, not not just the Trump cult, like people who are obsessed about Trump, but the Trump religion, like people who love Donald Trump like he's a religious leader. This is the guy. This is one of the main leaders of the, the Trump religion, Johnny Enlow, right? And in 20, I think... December 2019, right before the 2020 election, he came out and he said, you know what, I'll let you listen to it. He came out and he said this. Is going to be a hinge of the ages. 
and be known as before Trump and after Trump because of the way I'm going to use him. I'm using him as a Trump card, but I'm the Trump card player. God's speaking to him, telling him this is what he's saying. And so your nation will be known as before Trump and after Trump. And he said, the nations will be known as before Trump, after Trump. And the Lord, it was like, I'm really not interested in your all's vote this time. I'm doing it. I usually give you all that option. This time I'm not. This is a rescue operation from heaven. If it was a rescue operation from heaven, if it didn't matter how people voted, then why vote at all? And why, after the fact, claim that God is unhappy with how things are going? These are like conflicting, contradictory beliefs simultaneously held by this group of people, by these televangelists, by these prosperity gospel preachers. But the conflicts are irrelevant to them. It doesn't matter. They will continue repeating whatever is convenient in the moment for them. So keep listening to what George Pearsons said two years ago in 2020. God's not happy about the results for some reason as if he couldn't fix it himself. The direction that he wants to go, where abortion is concerned, where the Supreme Court is concerned, where religious liberty is concerned, where Israel is concerned. And he's saying, watch me work. See, that was a reference from before. Gene Bailey said that to him in the previous video. Yes, amen. Lord, we're going to see you yes, work in this. We are. Work uh-oh, now he's praying, I think, or something. We're going to see you work in the midst of this. Thank you. And we invoke the name of Jesus. And, and how'd that go for you, George? Did it work? Did it do what you were hoping it would do? And take authority over the powers and the principalities and the spirit of communism that is trying to infiltrate, overtake, and attack this nation right now. Communism, wow. That's weird, because I thought for sure that Jesus was at least a little socialist, right? You bow your knee to the name of the Lord Jesus. You hear the voice of the Lord through this man of God. You have no authority in this. Watch me work. Okay, and again, how did that work out for you, George? <laughs> This is like deeply entertaining to me. I'm just eating this up right now. That isn't the only weird, bizarre thing that George Pearson's did after the 2020 election, though, dude. This guy is one of the biggest conspiracy repeaters out there as a televangelist. This one was from late November 2021. This is when we knew Biden had won the election. I saw this picture. of the people in the ballots. Okay, I think this is people counting ballots is what he's looking at. And what my eye was drawn to was the tables. The tables. Okay. And what the Lord started to talk to me about was he went through and he overturned the tables. What are on those tables? Ballots. Ballots. And what I could see was he was walking up and down those aisles and he started turning over the tables. The tables are being turned over. Those tables are being turned over. Okay, so God's just, I guess what he's saying is he's, God's disregarding democracy in the United States. He's erasing it. He doesn't care about it, doesn't want anything to do with it, right? Is what it sounds like he's saying. 
God wants to take control in a fascist dictatorship rather than allowing humans to count it, kind of like Johnny Enlow said. I'm really not interested in your opinion. I'm doing it. Usually I give you guys that option. This time I'm appointing the person that I want to be the president. Isn't that what Enlow said? The tables are being turned over. And he came to a table and he turned it over. Wow. Wow. What a strong guy to have flipped a table over, huh? That scared me for a minute. Table, and he turned it over. With papers on it, too. Uh, nothing on the papers, just blank sheets of paper. Why did he even have that there? Was it just for the demonstration? Glory to the Lord. Like people are standing and clapping like wild over this. Oh, glory to God. Enough! 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 And, and how did that work out for you, George? How did it go? Did you get your guy in office like you wanted? Did you succeed in overturning democracy? The scary thing is... They came pretty close, but they did eventually fail to overturn democracy. And lucky for us, it seems like democracy was on the ballot this midterm election, and it won. Democracy won. Republicans took the House. Democracy won the election. That's what it looks like right now tentatively. In five years, I may be eating my own words, but it's a time to celebrate. So that's fantastic news. And I can't get enough of these televangelists just losing their minds at what happened. It, it's just fantastic. Let me know what you think in the comments or on Twitter at Telltale Atheist. Next, we're gonna talk about Michelle Bachman giving us a comprehensive election analysis. It was stolen. Why did she think that? Because nobody likes Joe Biden. Makes perfect sense. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale channel. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, check out my Patreon. You can also check out my Telltale Unfiltered channel, Twitter, and Teespring. All links can be found in the description. This is Michelle Bachman, and she absolutely lost her mind after the 2020 election. Now, we're a few years past that at this point, but it's always entertaining to take a look back and see how these people disintegrated when they lost. I God, I just eat it up. Check this out. Mid-November 2020, this is when she found out that Biden won and Trump lost. I ask, oh God. Who is oh God? that you would take your iron rod and I ask that you would smash the clay jar of deceit in America, smash the clay jar of delusion in the United States of America. I would love that. I would love it if somebody smashed the clay jar of delusion in America. Smash the delusion, father, of Joe Biden as our president. He is not. Boy, this didn't age well, did it? Here's the interesting part. She's still saying this to this day. 
There is nothing special about this. She's still saying stuff like this. We just had a 2022 midterm elections and they did not go well for Republicans, like at all. They completely face planted. Usually when one party controls the presidency, the other party takes it away in the midterms. They clean house. So Trump's first term, 2016, he starts being president, right? 2018 rolls around. The 2018 elections saw a ton of Democratic House and Senate members. Democrats took it away that year because people felt like they needed to add a counterbalance to the person that was in power, to the party that was in power. So we fully expected Republicans to clean house in the 2022 midterms. Well, as it turns out, that didn't happen. And guess what? Michelle Bachman, losing her mind over it once again, was just God, endlessly entertaining, honestly. I love it to death. So we're going to watch a little bit of that. But let's finish watching her melt down over losing the 2020 election. Yeah. Would you take your iron rod and smash the strong delusion that Nancy Pelosi does have her House of Representatives? We don't know that. Smash it. Boy, this did not age well at all, did it? That's funny. In Jesus' name, smash, Lord, the takeover of the U.S. Senate by Chuck Schumer. Lord, smash it with your iron rod. Oh, God, I love it to death. This one's early December 2020. This is another example from 2020 of her claiming election fraud. I was doing election night coverage with David Barton. And that night we watched, we knew immediately that this was fraud. And from that night on, I felt I've never been a victim of um, like abuse, like a, like a wife abuse, domestic abuse. I've never been a victim of it. But I felt that night like somebody took a swing at me and that they were continuing to take a swing at me. And, you know, as somebody who has been the victim of domestic abuse as a kid, that's fucking disgusting right there. It sucks when you lose an election or your guy doesn't get what, you know, or your guy doesn't get into office or whatever other thing. It didn't feel like somebody swung at you. Trust me on that. Every day when I woke up, I had this feeling that I was wounded. I don't know how anybody else feels, but I, I have felt wounded since election night and not to the point of being discouraged but to the point of being abused and i sense that, that she wants us to believe that this is some kind of a spiritual battle and that satan came in and hurt her in some mortal way when she lost an election that was satan who came to kill steal and destroy but that he was physically throwing punches and wounding and abusing. Absolutely disgusting. She has no clue what it's like to experience something like that and to claim that her guy losing an election is anything like it is grotesque on so many levels, I don't even know where to start. Check this one out, mid-August 2021. She decided to go on a media tour repeating Mike Lindell's conspiracy theories. I have no doubt. I made up my mind. Donald J. Trump won that election. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are not the legitimate president and vice president of the United States. Hey, mad respect. She actually pronounced Kamala Harris's name correctly. And Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. 
That's actually pretty impressive. Most right-wingers don't get that correct. That's the only thing she got correct in that little diatribe. In United States history, every state has to be audited. All machines should be eliminated because they, it's proved that they're hooked up to the Internet. And no, no, it wasn't. The machines, quote-unquote, she's referring to, were not hooked up to the Internet. The voting machines were not connected to the Internet at any point, any of them. This is straight-up Mike Lindell conspiracy. This is straight out of his mouth. And can be dealt with. Paper ballots have to be the norm from here on out. The Democrat Party... See, that's one of the big problems. Paper ballots are less secure. Counting them by hand is less accurate and slower. Why would we want to use paper ballots? That is a terrible idea in every way. Signature verification is less accurate when you do it by hand. Machines make the process quicker, smoother, and more accurate. They are literally making things worse by trying to push us in a direction of only using paper ballots and counting everything by hand. Worse and slower. From here on out, the Democrat Party can no longer be trusted to run the big city elections and thereby steal the national and the statewide races. Oh, so Republicans have to oversee every single election is what she's saying, right? Only Republicans should ever oversee an election. Genius idea. President Trump won re-election. There's no doubt. And so it's a delusion that we're all being told that we have to pair it back to the powers that be. You don't have to repeat that. You feel free to not say a word about the election. No one's forcing you to do anything. That Biden and Harris are the legitimate administration when they aren't. Okay, so the point is she just repeated Mike Lindell conspiracies nonstop. I mean, she is a true believer, seemingly. Either she's a true believer or she is a full-blown propagandist. She also carried water for Russia during the Russia-Ukraine war. She defended Russia days after the attack, came out there and started claiming that Ukraine was evil and Russia's doing the right thing and all that other garbage. She's a propagandist to the core. The interesting thing is in 2020, you, it's actually really difficult to kick out an incumbent. So Trump had the presidency. It's very difficult to unseat a president. They have to be historically unpopular to actually be voted out without getting their second term. The fact that Biden actually succeeded in getting Trump out of office is honestly deeply surprising. And what's even more surprising is the fact that Democrats prevented Republicans from taking everything in the 2022 midterms. Republicans actually did get some wins. It's pretty early still, but it looks like they're going to take the House. Democrats did get to keep the Senate, however, so that's fantastic news. But the real winner in this whole situation was democracy. Almost every single election denier lost their election. Almost every one of them who sided with Donald Trump and who claimed fraud was taking place in the election and all that other stuff lost. They lost their election. So Republicans have learned over the past few days or a week or so of strategizing that it's a bad idea to espouse election conspiracy theories. It doesn't win you any elections. It's pointless. In fact, it depresses turnout for Republicans. That's the lesson that they've learned in this whole situation. But Michelle Bachman didn't know that at the time. 
She was doing her whole election coverage thing on election night, November 8th. And she started saying the most unhinged stuff imaginable during and after the election coverage, not realizing that Trump lost heavily. Everybody that Trump endorsed, practically everybody, lost. Everybody who sided with Trump and claimed that there was fraud and all that stuff, they lost. She didn't know that during her coverage. We have the benefit of hindsight, so let's watch her melt down and stick her foot in her mouth over and over and over again. November 10th, 2022, check this one out. And election after election after election was completely different. I mean, like 180 degrees different than what was predicted. Well, I got to give her, I would have pegged her as a person that would use the term 360 degrees different. Uh, so got to give her credit for saying 180 degrees. At least she got that one right. Than what was predicted and what the voters wanted. For 21 months, we've lived the most unusual life, at least in my lifetime, yep. in modern America. She's referring to the 2020 election for 21 months. So two years ago is what she's saying. They've been the, the oddest couple of years that she's ever lived. Okay. We've never lived under these kind of circumstances or under these kinds of decisions. There's absolutely no question the polling data was actually probably the most accurate I had ever seen because people across America were pretty uniform and, and a lot of groups. That's interesting. She brings that up. The polling data was the most accurate. She's right. Actually, the polling data was very accurate in 2020 and 2022 and 2018 and 2016. It's all been pretty accurate within the margin of error. Roughly. I think in 2022, the polls could have been a little bit better. It was leaning Republican. But the reason for that is because the polling aggregate that was being used was accepting right leaning polls that were making all kinds of bizarre claims about a red wave that just wasn't there. The aggregate was leaning red, though. The total was leaning red. Overall, the polls were pretty accurate for the most part, particularly in 2020. They were pretty good. I had ever seen because people across America were pretty uniform and, and a lot of groups really broke and went the same direction. Right. They rejected what was going on. But that wasn't reflected in the outcome. The outcome was different than any other midterm outcome. With both Obama and with Clinton, there was a shellacking that both of them got in the midterm. That's very true. She's correct. Most of the time in midterm elections, when a, a political party controls the presidency, the opposite political party takes control of the House and the Senate, or they just take a whole bunch of seats. It was very unusual that... Republicans were only able to pick up a few seats. Republicans are likely going to take the House of Representatives. They will not take the Senate. But here's the interesting thing. Democracy won in the 2022 midterms. Democracy won. All of the people like Michelle Bachman, for example, previously a member of the House of Representatives, I believe, from Iowa, I think, the people who espoused election conspiracies like her, most of the people who did that lost. Democracy won unequivocally. Trumpists lost. Election deniers lost. They're going to have to rethink their strategy. They're just unpopular. That's just what it is. If they don't want to lose elections, do something that's less unpopular in the future. Any other midterm outcome with both Obama and with Clinton, there was a shellacking that both of them got. A shellacking? The midterm. Last night? 
the outcome basically had the American people saying, hey, Joe, we love you. Doing a- no, that's not what they were saying. They were saying, hey, Trump, we hate you. Hey, election deniers, we hate you. That's actually what they're saying. It had nothing to do with Joe Biden. See, she's stuck in this personality cult mindset where she practically worships the person that's in power in that moment. And she doesn't understand how other people don't think like that. She doesn't get it. It's not like getting through her head that it doesn't work that way for almost anybody else. We had the American people saying, hey, Joe, we love you. Dude, why is there a fan blowing on the outside of this video? Like we're looking in a window. There's a clock here too? What? Why? I don't understand why we're seeing this. This is very, very odd to me. Okay, let's keep listening. Well, saying, hey, Joe, we love you. Doing a great job, buddy. We want you to keep doing what you're doing. Did she think that Joe was up for re-election this term? Does she not realize that that's every four years that rather than every two years? Hug, hug. Kiss, kiss. We think you're great. Nobody believes that. Democrats didn't believe that. So what we saw was a steal. The question is, we don't know how. Wow, there she goes, asserting that there was voter fraud. Of course, that is what Michelle Bachman does. That's what she's all about. That's what she's always been about. This is two days after the election. She honestly should have seen this coming, that people didn't care about her voter fraud claims. She should have seen the analytics data about the fact that election deniers lost across the board, that this is not a winning strategy. But maybe she just doesn't care. Maybe it's about propagandizing to people. Maybe that is what it all focuses around for Michelle Bachman. This one's from November 10th, 2022 also. Check this out. When a president's party that's in power after the president election, the first midterm, the president's party is going to lose. Right. That's what I was talking about. That's pretty typical standard. There have been a few examples of that not happening. I think there's another example of it happening in 1978, maybe. It was during Jimmy Carter, I think. Don't quote me on that. I'm going to have to fact check that. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen from time to time. And aside from that, Republicans did pick up seats. They did. They just didn't pick up very many. They didn't pick up as many as they were hoping for. So what's Michelle Bachman's solution? Political analysts claim there was fraud, of course. Well, they're not losing. And so what is bizarre about this is this election result says one thing very loud and clear. Yeah, the Republican Party sucks. Their strategy sucks. They're not appealing to voters. That's what it says loud and clear. You want to be appealing to voters. You want to get people to vote for you. Change your strategy. Stop talking about having an election stolen constantly. Stop standing behind a scumbag like Donald Trump. Stop letting him run the party. That would be what you should be taking from this. That should be the message that you're getting from these results. What's the message she's actually getting? clear. It says that the country agrees with Joe Biden and his policies. When you look at where America is at right now, America is not agreeing with Joe Biden's policies. That's correct. And weirdly enough, that's not what the midterms are indicating. Has nothing to do with Joe Biden. This wasn't about Joe Biden. The key issue on the ballot actually in these midterms, the thing that really pushed it over the edge, I think, for the Democrats, was the fact that the Supreme Court reversed abortion protections. That was one of the main things. And then 
the geniuses talked about doing a national ban after they realized how deeply unpopular that was. Right before the midterm, that was Lindsey Graham, comes out and says he wants a national abortion ban. Genius! Keep talking, buddy, please. Keep talking. Fantastic. But no, 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 no. Couldn't be that. Couldn't be the fact that Trump is deeply unpopular. Couldn't be the fact that people don't like election deniers. It must be they cheated, right? Is that what she's about to say? I'm sorry. There is nowhere that that is happening. That's what these election results show, that America agrees with Joe Biden. And I don't think it's true. I think there's something seriously wrong happening here tonight. She just can't accept it, can she? Reality, I mean. She can't accept it. This is November 9th. This is the night after the election. It's been a really tough two years, a very tough two years. Look at the little thing in the corner. Pray, vote, stand election night. What a deeply disturbing thing to have, a a disturbing banner to have at all. Pray and vote, honestly, shouldn't be put together, certainly not on a, a political ad or political campaign or on the speech of a political actor marrying church and state to the best of their ability. But I'm getting off track here. Keep listening to what she says. It's been a really tough two years, a very tough two years. But what the church did is. No, it hasn't. I'm sorry. No, it hasn't been a tough two years for Michelle Bachman. Filthy rich millionaire Michelle Bachman has no idea what suffering is. No idea. At no point in her life has she ever been kicked out of her house and walked out to the end of the street and stood there and realized, I have nowhere to go. At no point has she ever worked at a Walmart and stolen off the shelves during her break so that she could eat. At no point in time has she ever worked two or even three jobs, Burger King, IHOP, and Lowe's, simultaneously, just to pay rent. And then after paying rent, don't have a fucking penny to your name to keep your electric bill on or to order groceries. She has no idea what tough two years is. No idea two years a very tough two years but what the church did is respond rightly it responded by praying we had more zoom calls set up for the last two years just praying for the nation people turning to the lord repenting of their sins confessing their sins weird that we had all these people praying and confessing and turning their lives over to the lord and asking God to hand the elections to Republicans, and here we sit. Weird, right? Odd. I thought God cared about this stuff. If God was so invested, as they claim, one would think that Republicans would have won in the midterms, huh? One would think Trump would have won in 2020. That's odd. What an odd, what an odd turn of events to take place after all of these people prayed to God, begging him to do their will strange sing their sins we've seen pastors doing the right thing by preaching from the pulpit according to biblical values so we've seen the church respond and this just it just doesn't make sense so we'll learn more i think of course in the days that are in front of us but surely this is this is absolutely not the result oh i love it you you understand what she's saying right now right 
what she's saying is we got all of these people together in Zoom calls to pray simultaneously for a red wave in the election. And then the election didn't happen. So what's the explanation here? Is it A, God doesn't actually want Republicans to win because he thinks that they're going to destroy the country. B, maybe God isn't real. That's on the back burner. That's a possibility, right? Or C, Democrats are so powerful that they can actually overpower God himself and take control of the election system despite God's best wishes. He doesn't want Democrats to win, but they're so darn good at cheating that they can reverse the results of an election even when God is interfering. It's a spiritual war, people, a spiritual war. Surely this is this is absolutely not the result that was predicted. Yeah, it was actually the polls pretty well reflected it for the most part. They were a little bit off, but it was pretty close to the margin of error by almost uniformly by the pollsters. But it wasn't the it was not uniformly predicted by pollsters. That's ridiculous. It wasn't the result that I think any of us thought were going to happen tonight. It's been as not not only traditional, but I would say crashingly disappointing because this really should have been a wave election. Oh, yes. And I'm eating it up. I am here for it. I love it to death. And now it doesn't even look like we're dog paddling. Oh, I love it. She understands the situation perfectly. Absolutely. Love it to death. It's weird that this is the one situation she can understand perfectly clearly. She doesn't seem to understand basically anything else. Yeah, she lost. She lost terribly. And weirdly, she lost after having uh, like thousands and thousands of people praying for the results that she wanted. Is it ever going to click for her? Is she ever going to realize either God isn't real or he doesn't want what she wants? Will she ever realize that? Let me know what you think in the comments or on Twitter at Telltale Atheist. Mr. QTube, first name Fa. Oh, God, the Irish God. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I, ha I ask, oh, God. I ask, oh, God. I ask, oh, God. <laughs> She's so weird, dude. So weird. She is an odd individual. And how did that work out for you, Michelle? Did that work out well? Did God deliver the midterm results you were hoping for? That red wave you expected that you asked, oh, God, for? I ask, oh, God. Captain Gars, welcome. Hey, Owen, long time no see. I think Michelle just doesn't understand that no one likes the former president or his unhinged friends. Yeah, she just doesn't get it. She thinks it's a popularity contest about who they like more. And here's the key. Republicans have spent the past two years, or honestly longer than that, six years, 12 years, slandering and smearing their political enemies. That's been the strategy. There is no policy on the Republican side, the strategy is ignore policy, attack people's character, engage in culture wars. That's what it's been about. And as we can see now, that didn't work. Their goal is to make you hate your opponent more than the person that they want you to vote for, basically. They saw how well the hate train worked with Donald Trump, where people don't will do anything to keep him out of power. And they wanted some of that themselves. So they slander and smear and do everything they can to make people hate Joe Biden up to and including fabricating nonsense and claim that it came off of a laptop from his son. 
fabricate bullshit about his son, you know, doing this thing or that thing or whatever else. Some of it his son wrote about in a memoir, like being an addict and stuff like that, or being with a prostitute or whatever else. Some of it was straight up fabricated. Some of it was photoshopped and made up. A lot of it was. They don't have his laptop. I'm convinced of that. But that's the strategy. Make shit up about him and make you hate him more than you hate Donald Trump. That was the whole goal. And that strategy didn't work. And she doesn't understand. She doesn't get it. She doesn't know why. It's ridiculous. Like, I know Michelle Bachman isn't, you know, the brightest bulb in the box over here, not the sharpest knife in the drawer, not the brightest crayon in the box, if you will, but you would think that she would eventually catch on to what everybody else is seeing. I guess time will tell. I'll be keeping track of her for sure. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, there's Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and coffee cups and stuff on there. You can also check out my other channels. I have a Telltale Unfiltered YouTube channel where I go through long-form videos like Kent Hovind's Seminar Series, Jehovah's Witnesses TV Show, and Televangelists Prophesying About Politics. And finally, you can check out my social media. If you have a question for me, the best way to ask it is to tweet it at me. I'm on there all the time so check it out all links are in the description as always anyways that's all i've got for you thanks for listening